0: My dad is a thrill seeker, right? He's a massive thrill seeker. This was when I was first old enough to drive a hire car abroad. If if life isn't lived on the edge for him, it's boring. This is the man who on his first day after a 30 year career in the fire service, which you'd have hoped, you'd have hoped that have kind of cured him of his adrenaline seeking ways, got on a plane, went to Spain and uh, learned to solo skydive. So on one day, when I was about uh, 11 years old, we went to a place called Porthcawl, right? And it's difficult to describe Porthcawl. It's like the Blackpool of South Wales, right? There are loads of rides and roller coasters, and then there is one. There is one that stands right at the heart. It's called the beach party, Okay. Now, my idea of a beach party is 30-degree heat, the Ibethan coastline, right, with a G&T in my hand and P20 stain in my nostrils, right? This was everything not mentioned above. So I tried to find a picture of it on the internet for you, and uh, this was the first hit on Google. (laughs) And uh, here's the video to show you what the beach party really is. Cheers Rob. Not my 30 degree Ibethan coastline I can tell you that. So dad says let's go on the beach party right and there's uh, there's queues for every other ride apart from the beach party. So we sit down and a young lad definitely no older than about nine years old walks up and I think fantastic another person willing to take on the beach party. No comes down and pushes the bar over my head and secures it. (laughs) A second lad of about, I don't know, 20 years old walks over and I think, fantastic, he's going to come and check that the bar is secure. No. He comes over to the opposite seats and hurls a bucket of hot, soapy water. And as I watch the sick drain from the opposite seats of the last victim of the beach party. And then it starts... And I can honestly say I have never felt so unwell. I spent the whole ride with literally my head between my knees like that, trying to stop the churned up candy floss pouring out of my mouth onto my poor mother who's watching below. If life really is the roller coaster that Ronan Keaton once described it, at that moment I wanted to get off. The ride ends and we get off. And I look to my dad for some inspirational message about the thrill that we have just encountered. He's white. He's white white as a sheet, and I wait as the words drop out of his mouth. I don't think we'll be doing that again. (laughs) The extent that some people go to in life to find excitement and adventure really knows no bounds. As I think about life, it strikes me as being unbelievably crazy. It sometimes feels like the beach party, swinging from side to side and spinning round. I find it remarkable that people are so blasé about life. You ask people, how's life going? Oh, just plodding on. Plodding on. When I think about life, are we really just plodding on? The fact that we're created from nothing. We enter this life and and our emotions and our fears, our dreams and aspirations, and all we can come up with is just plodding on. Life is the wildest roller coaster you will ever be part of. It is one massive adventure. But regardless of this adventure, we are all arguably in pursuit of one thing, and that is a life well lived. Do you know how I can tell that we are in, in pursuit of a life well lived? Because six, six and a half years ago, do you know what Twitter was filled with on a very similar day to yesterday? How fit is Pippa Middleton? Do you know what it was yesterday? It was the Bishop Michael Curry and his talk of love. All of us are in pursuit of this life well-lived. I mean, how many of us want to get to the end of our days and not even be remembered? It is my worst fear that somebody will one day say, Ewan, uh, distinctly average. I long to live my life well, whatever comes my way, and whatever is thrown at me. And when I talk about life as an adventure, I'm aware that for some people, for many people in this world, life is tough, often very, very tough. Suffering, even in our country, rests at our doorsteps, maybe even inside our homes. Some people will live life in hardship from the moment they are born to the moment they die, whether that be financial or social, whether that be from physical or mental health issues. This world can be a cruel place. But a life well lived is not not limited to those who have prosper or status, those who have money or fame. In fact, we find that often people who live this life well-lived are those who are in the gravest of situations. Those who, for life, it can be toughest. Those who are going through a big place. I'm sure that there's not one single person in this room who, if asked, despite our upbringing, despite our background, what we've been through would not say that they want to live a life that is well-lived. And so for me, the starting point of living a life that is well-lived, is knowing that we are known. We live in a world that over the last 20, 30 years has become more connected than ever before. Technology has allowed us to uh, move information, knowledge, goods around the world at a record speed. If you wanna see technology in action, right, you wanna try and teach my 90-year-old granddad to Facebook Live. Seriously, that happened recently. But yet, despite this, we're, we're more disconnected than ever. Our streets have become more disconnected than ever. Our communities have become more disconnected than ever. Loneliness is killing our society. The biggest cause of death in young men is suicide. Often men don't know where to turn to. Bottling up emotions and feelings because they feel they cannot share what is going on because it might be seen as weak cut off from the communities that they might once have been a part of. Young people watching endless highlight reels of their mates on Snapchat and Instagram stories and, 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 you know, questioning, well, why does not my life not look like the endless bliss of someone else? More and more people are asking the question, do I really know who I am? The Archbishop of Canterbury was recently uh, at the heart of what was set out to be a major scandal until it really wasn't. He was set out to be a major scoop by the, uh, by the newspapers, but then it, it really wasn't. The fact was that Justin Welby found out that the dad he thought was his dad for many years actually wasn't indeed his father. And the Archbishop of Canterbury said this Indeed, I'm surprised to find out that the person I thought my father was isn't. But then he said this I know that I find who I am in Jesus Christ, not in my genetics. And my identity in him never changes. And the archbishop has hit on something here. He says, despite the fact that this, a huge revelation that could rock my world and something that has the capacity to turn it upside down, I'm actually chasing after something different. I'm not chasing after the pursuit of being known by man, but living confident that I am known by God. The Bible says that God created you. He loves you, and he knows you inside out. Last year, I was out in France with my parents, and it was an absolutely glorious day, right? So we decided to get out and about. My mum and I decided to go for a cycle down to the beach, and it was fantastic, uh, until it wasn't. This massive black cloud descended, and the rains came, and they really came, right? These were rains that would have caused Noah to have a change of underwear, But the real low point came when the hailstones arrived, pinging off my helmet, like I was aggressively hitting the bell. People were literally jumping out of the way. The bike swayed from side to side, and it felt like I was going back to when I was four years old, learning to ride my bike. But we plowed on. We got home. We were absolutely drenched. And as I sat and thought about what happened, I thought about when I'd first learned to ride my bike. I I had stabilizers. No, no shame, no shame. They gave me the confidence that when I wobbled, I wouldn't tumble. That they would hold me up. But at some point, those stabilizers had to come off. You'll be surprised to know, in the last 20 years, they've never gone back on. But as we are in the middle of this storm, if somebody had offered me those stabilizers to go back on, would I, would I have accepted? No. You know, imagine a shopkeeper coming out and saying, oh, should we just put the stabilizers back on? No. Because the stabilizers gave me the foundation when I was younger to know that I could carry on. To know that I had the strength to battle through and the stamina to keep going. And being known by God and known that we are created by God is like our life stabilizers. It's the foundation in which we know that when we ride out into life, those circumstantial changes, those bombshells that hit our life, that we are secure in who we are. And why were we, we were created. Knowing that even though I don't always see God. Even though he's not physically there. That sometimes it feels like he's silent. As Pete Gregg describes it, it feels like God is on mute. That I know that God created me. I'm confident that he loves me. Knows me. And that I have a purpose. In the pursuit of a life well lived, purpose is at the core. I recently read this quote. Purpose is the world's greatest alarm clock. Psychologists and medics will tell you that the key to living a long and healthy life and to joy in your life is purpose. If you've ever seen somebody interviewed who's reached this milestone birthday, they will say they've lived for so long because they've had something to get up for in the morning. Not long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I saw an article pasted over my social media. It was about a man. His name was Arno Beltram. Monsieur Bartram lived in a small city called Treb near Toulouse in the south of France. And Arnaud was a Christian like I am. That morning he went to work as I did. He went to the same job that I do. He put on his police uniform as I did that morning. And went out into the streets as we do most days. But he found himself in a situation that I hope never to find myself in. He found himself negotiating with a terrorist. And in negotiation, there's one thing that you really need it's a bargaining chip. You have to find it from somewhere. It's something that the individual involved can cling on to. Whether somebody is holding another person hostage or somebody's wanting to take their own life, you need a bargaining chip, something worth talking to you for. Beltram searched for his bargaining chip. His options were limited, they were severely limited. He realised that what the terrorists wanted was life. He wanted to be known, wanted to be infamous. And what Beltram did next, I would say that most of us would say is unimaginable. I wonder if I'd have been in his position, would I have done the same thing? I can't say, probably not. Beltram realised that the only bargaining chip he had left was himself. He offered himself up, he walked into the building and swapped himself for the hostage. The hostage, a young woman, was freed. But Beltram's actions cost him his life. He died so that another might live. The lady inside went free. She was given her life. The price for that life was Arnaud Beltram. In Beltram's dying, her purpose to live to be free was fulfilled. An unbelievable act of heroine, Hero, heroine? (laughs) I hope this isn't being recorded for my own personal and professional sake. An unbelievable act of heroism and bravery. In this life, every single person has a purpose. A a real purpose. A purpose that's written down in ink in a book called Romans in the Bible. Romans 5 verse 8. "The whilst we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That God in the form of Jesus put himself in our place, taking the price that everything we have done. And that whilst we were separated from God, he died, that we might have the opportunity to come back to him. The God who knows us intimately created us, walked into our place and into our mess so that we might go free. And as we are known and as we, find a purpose we are truly in pursuit of a life well lived when our lives are lived in the service of others well those of you know me will know that I'm not a crier right I very rarely cry but there is something that pulls on my heartstrings like nothing else right 8 p.m. on a Thursday night if I'm not working right I can guarantee you that I'll be on the sofa under a duvet sobbing my little heart out anybody know what I'm talking about Somebody shout. Go on, Dave. DIY SOS. <laughs> Dave's my housemate. He's had to come in on a Thursday night to me, literally bawling my eyes out with a box of lint chocolates, just keeping myself afloat. <laughs> DIY SOS wrecks me every single time. The kindness of individuals giving up their time, their money, their business potential just floors me. Are these big grown men weep to see what they have done to begin to change the lives of others. Friends, I honestly believe that this life becomes devoid of joy the minute that we stop doing things and putting others first. The smile on a child's face as it goes down the slide with the parent following behind. The contentment in the face of the lady or man who hasn't had anybody to visit them in a week when you sit and have a coffee. I'm desperate, desperate for this church to be known. Not what it does for itself, but what it sacrifices for others. That it gets alongside the lonely, even when it's tired and on its knees. That it hurts with the hurting. That it feeds those who do not have enough. Jesus said, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. What you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's a lovely, compact verse in the Bible. It's almost romantic. It seems easy, but it's messy. It's sometimes grim. It demands our lives, our, our finances, our energy. But there is no greater call to get alongside people, to live lives in the shoes of others. I pray that this is a church that every day gets close to people. It chooses to get up, it put the contact lenses of God, that it will start to look at people, with people, through the eyes that God sees them. As loved, as known. People who have purpose and people who have meaning. We are kidding ourselves if we think that this world isn't broken. But even more so, we're kidding ourselves if we think we can't do something about it. Nick Knowles finishes off most shows of DIY SOS with this. Nobody can help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. Sir, not yet, but should be Nick Knowles. (laughs) Like I am wrecked by the kindness of individuals on DIY SOS, I am even more wrecked by God's love and grace. I am wrecked that he loves me, that he knows me, that he's given me a purpose. A reason to live, an opportunity to live a life in the service of others. It's scandalous, friends. Absolutely scandalous that somebody would know me and know you and love me and love you so much in all of our mess and our brokenness that they would give up their lives for us so that we might live. It's outrageous, but that is what God has done. This day of Baptism um, might look like it's about these individuals who've been baptized, and I'm sorry to tell you guys, it, it isn't. I think you already know that. It's a fantastic celebration, but baptism is not these individuals pointed to themselves and saying, Look what I have done, but it's them pointing away and saying, Look what God has done. They are pointing to Jesus, they've shared something of what we call a testimony, a story of what God has done in their lives saying that I'm known by God, I'm loved by Him. In getting into the water, going down, they've, they, they've said they want to give up all their sin and their shame and their guilt, all the things that hold them back, the things that have separated them from God, has been washed away. And in rising again, they say they have been changed. That He has set them free and taken their place. He's promised that we will receive an eternity where the Bible describes He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, because the former things have passed away. And I'll finish with this. To those being baptized today, I hope and pray that you'll take this with you. Knowing Jesus and being known by him, living out his purpose, living your life in the service of others, is not about behavior modification, but it's about a heart transplant. If you strive every day to change the little bits of your character, you'll become exhausted trying to reach a standard that you will never reach. However, if your lives are one that is listening to God, what he's saying, your lives is one that gets stuck into the Bible and living it out. Your life is is where your heart is open to being changed, and your life is one of a service of others, then that, friends, that is a life well lived. As we're known by God, he knows what's best for us. As we have a purpose, then the Bible says there is a plan. A plan to prosper and not to harm. Does does following Jesus make life easy? Does it heck? Does it heck? For those struggling with life, I can't guarantee things will go away. But what I can guarantee is you're known. You're loved. You have a purpose. Your life has meaning. And then in following Jesus, your life will be one that at the end of your days as heaven and eternal life beckons, as Christ beckons you home, you will say that. (laughs) That was a life well lived. Let's pray. Yeah, God, thank you so much that we are known to you, created by you, and loved by you. Thank you that you have given us a purpose that in dying, in sacrificing your son, that we have a purpose to live. And that in rising again, You've set us free. God, I pray that we would be people who live a life of service to others. A life that is not focused on what we can get, but what we can give. And I pray you be with us. Guide us, strengthen us, and protect us. Bless those of us who are hurting. And bless those who we love and those who we sometimes struggle to love. In Jesus' name, amen.